Want to enjoy your sandwich with a hearty crumb inside? Falafel. Want to have a sandwich, but you're watching your weight? Falafel. Want to enjoy a sandwich, but you're vegan? Falafel. Want to enjoy a sandwich that's fucking great? Falafel. Falafel is the tastiest and one of the healthiest sandwiches. 100% score for falafel from me. Or, every time I've had falafel, it tastes bland and unappetizing. Putting it in pita bread doesn't help. Who's right? Let's find out. This week, on our ongoing quest to pick our favorite sandwich, the falafel sandwich. Wait, is that a real theme song, or is that more public domain theme song? You really spoiled my big uh, record scratch moment, Joe. That oh, was okay. f- that was fake theme song, but the record player skipped, or I don't actually know how record players work, but it made this sound, and Joe... a sandwich now it's his religion to narrow it down he'll cook he'll dine he'll then opine Joe will pick a sandwich now what kind of lettuce will Dan allow he'll spin was like uh that was like a rock opera i'll, I'll tell you uh, i'll read his email from uh, our music laureate jeff who said okay so i'm gonna be honest it sounded a lot different in my head than it took on a life of its own as i was recording it it ended up sort of like a bizarre experimental type vibe lol but alas it was too late to go back it might be good for a laugh but i understand if you don't want to use it every episode because it's also kind of long for an intro i may give a shot to writing a shorter more upbeat fun sounding one when i get some time Loving the podcast. Keep it up. P.S. You guys should seriously seek a sponsorship from Boar's Head. They're in the game. Dan, I love it. I don't want a shorter one. Well, having now listened to it, like, probably on the order of 20 times, it's too long for an intro. It's nearly two minutes long. But the part where it, like, uh, you know, right in the middle where the beat sort of picks up a little bit, I love that part. It's just so great. I love it. I think it's awesome. I mean, we can't we can't do a two-minute <laughs> intro every week i mean i'm I'm fine i could just play the second half of it i think the second half of it is awesome first of all i think the first half of it is awesome it's just like um 
our like original fans will always know like the full version. Okay, I like that idea. So if we just play the second half as a theme song, then it's like it's like to go back to our our show last week that we talked about how like the friends song has like the friends song that they use for the intro and then they have like the longer version of that song that like the band wrote as their song. Wait, did we talk about that last week? The the Remingtons? No, the show the Rembrandts, the Rembrandts. Yeah, we didn't talk about the song. But I'm saying in that show, Friends, there was like the I'll long be version. There for you. Do they play yeah. the song on the outro too? Uh, I don't know. I think I think they did like an instrumental version of it. I feel like they. I feel like it's in the outro too. I feel like in the outro they do that same scene again where they're like jumping in the fountain. It's hard to remember because t- TV shows don't do outros anymore. Yeah, they don't do it they like don't really they used do end to. credits anymore, and they don't do the thing you know. Uh, recently this week for another podcast i was watching an episode of saved by the bell because they were reviewing it and like that trope that they did in old sitcoms and i know they did this in fresh prince of bel-air too another childhood favorite where they would like show like seven or eight like stills from the episode to sort of like (laughs) give you the like 20 second recap i love that i'm i'm sad that that doesn't exist anymore I wish there was a show that did that, but with things that didn't even happen in that episode. So you just like piques your interest. Like, oh, what, what, what was that? What, what would that scene have been? Wow, that's definitely been done before. I think Rick and Morty does that from time to time. But no, I want the genuine article. You know, in the Fresh Prince of Bel Air, you know, they always get one of like Carlton like mid doing his dance. <laughs> it's just so you can remember what 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 a good time you had for the last like twenty two minutes. But you did have a good time. Like I like that. <laughs> okay, wait. So can I just hear the intro song from where you want to start it one more time? Yes. Is it affordable, ethical? Is it healthy and clean? Is it first aid appropriate even though he's married? Is the origin true? Doesn't matter to me. All that really matters is celebrities. Joe will pick a sandwich now. It's his religion to figure it out. He ate. The food he'll rate, he'll choose. Will it end up on the menu? Oh, what sandwich will he choose? Joe picks a sandwich now. And scene. I do like the whispering of sandwiches. I mean, fine, we'll keep that in. All right, th- that's a perfect intro. That's 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 perfect. I love it. I mean, I love the long version, and maybe actually we, what I'll do is... You can use the first half of the song for the outro music. I'll just do the whole thing for the outro. Although he specifically also sent outro music, which I have not listened to yet, so I, I don't know what All it right. is. All right, we'll try it for the outro. Maybe, I think the outro, he likes to just do the instrumental, maybe. I know, that's what I assume it was, which is why I didn't listen to it, but... I think whether or not the length is appropriate for a theme song, and I agree with you, this second half is a perfect theme song. I feel like this is Jeff's best like song song we've ever heard. He just summed up what we do so well. And I think even when we were talking about this, when we were in Mexico at our podcast retreat trying to come up with this, we even said, like, we hope Jeff doesn't make it too soon because he we really want to make sure the intro captures the ethos of the podcast. And at that time, we didn't know what it was. We didn't know what it was two episodes in. Yeah. I mean, we still don't know what it is, but we're honing in. We're honing. And I just... I feel like this this intro even focuses us more. Like if we're forgetting what the podcast is all about, we just always recenter ourselves with the intro music. It's perfect. It proves once again that a song written under duress is always a recipe for a great song. It's always a recipe. I mean, the the shutdown, unlike uh, 
uh, our uh, our current commander in chief who doesn't know how to do the shutdown properly. This was exactly what we needed to do. Got him pressured. Got him stressed out. The pressure was building week in, week out. Even though Joe, we had no leverage. Like, what are we going to do? We know how to win a shutdown. But we had nothing. We we were just completely bluffing. But and and like I said before, it even started. I'll own this shutdown. That's fine. <laughs> Wait, you can blame I, me for it. Wait, I started the shutdown, Joe. See, now that the shutdown is successful, you're trying to take credit <laughs> for it? Screw you, Joe. This was my That's hashtag right. shutdown, and we, we got some great intro music out of it, and I'm loving it, Joe. Great job. Great job, Jeff. And to go back to the uh, the intro intro, our pro vs. con, special thanks to Reddit user, can I get a whoop underscore whoop for the pro flawful side? And uh, a random online commenter on, I believe, a, a MMA fighting <laughs> forum for the uh, anti-Flawful view. Dan, just to go back to that intro, was, was uh, can I get a whoop underscore whoops uh, comment using Crumb as a positive? I, I have to assume so. If, they, if he or she 100% endorses the sandwich, I assume everything that was said was a compliment. Although, I, I mean, I agree with the vegan thing. I don't know what hearty crumb means. I'm not even sure it's a great sandwich if you're watching your weight, honestly. I mean, we'll get to it in the health section, but this, though it does not have meat in it, this is not like a super lean sandwich. So maybe, maybe, maybe it's my American sensibility, but I don't know if hearty crumb is normally think of, is normally thought of as a good thing. And I have to think that this commenter was not, is coming from a tradition where crumbs are positive. With a hearty crumb inside. Yeah. That that's, that sounds like a very British term, doesn't it? But what is that referring to? Is that referring to the falafel itself? I think he's calling a falafel ball a hearty crumb. All right. Well, I guess it's sort of applicable. Really, at like a 10,000-foot view, I mean, a falafel ball does look like a crumb. Well, I mean, that's why it's, it's a hearty crumb. I mean, it, it's true. But a very hearty crumb. Once you go from that 10,000-foot view to looking directly at it, it really yeah. is much bigger than a crumb. Yeah, when you're at, from a 10,000-foot view to the, an actual view of what it actually looks like, it's not really a crumb. No, that's right. that's not right. at all. It, not applicable. But look, this is somebody who likes a sandwich, and that's what happens. Sometimes people, when they like the sandwich, it's just they they come up with things that they – reasons they think they like the sandwich. They make up things about why they like the sandwich. No, I like it. It's very, it's very poetic. It's, it, it's a good metaphor. All right. Well, Joe, we always get started by looking at our history with the sandwich. So, Joe, what's your history with this sandwich? I love a good falafel sandwich. First of all, I've been to Israel twice, uh, also, or three times now. I also have, um, you know, my family is from the Middle East, Dan. So this is like part of our family cuisine is falafel. I would like some audio proof that you are from the Middle East. Are you ready for it? Well, and now, I, as a non-Middle Eastern, I will, I will try. I can't do it. Just for some context for the listeners, we do that all the time in my family. Literally, when our daughter like goes to the bathroom on the toilet by herself, we do it. They do the whole, and everybody does it. It's, it's your, and, and you and your sister. You can't do it. I know we can't do it. Well, we're not from the Middle your, East. Your Ashkenazi blood won't allow it. Your Ashkenazi <laughs> tongues are weak. It's really hard to do. It just takes uh, tongue stamina, uh, but we've had this sandwich many times in my family. Falafel was something that we cooked in our house, in my aunt's and uncle's houses, um, but then also just something that I've eaten. And then when you're in Israel, it's like everywhere. It's any every street corner. It's like if you think about like hot dog stands in New York or whatever, 
Like that's that's falafel in Tel Aviv. What about falafel stands in New York? Well, I think there are probably more hot dog stands like per capita than falafel stands in New York, right? Probably. There are more hot dog carts, I guess. But if you took all the falafel stands in New York and all the hot dog stands in New York and turned those into falafel stands, you'd have about the number of falafel stands in Tel Aviv. Wow, that's that's a lot. Yeah. That's a lot. Well, Joe, my history with the sandwich is basically none. I, I, I think last week I had said I probably had a falafel sandwich before. Maybe I have, maybe I haven't. I, I don't know. I've definitely had something in pita bread before, but I think I've actually had more sandwiches in pita bread that weren't falafel sandwiches than if I had falafel sandwiches. So so honestly, this was, um, I mean, this this was sort of like the ham and cheese where it's like I'd had ham and cheese before, but like not enough to, like I was, when I was tasting the ham and cheese sandwich, I didn't know what it was going to taste like. This was exactly the same. I did not know what the falafel sandwich was going to taste like. Now you said that when you tried the ham and cheese, you immediately were like, oh, I've had this before. When you tried the falafel, is it possible this was your first falafel? I'm sure I've had one before, but I've definitely had, you know, something in a wrap with like the whatever the white sauce is, which I would say tahini sauce, but I'm not sure if that's actually what it was. And we'll get into that more later in the podcast. I've definitely had that type of sandwich, but with meat in it. And I've actually had that. I mean, many times. Yeah, probably like gyros meat or like shawarma meat. Definitely. Yeah. But whether I've had it with falafel, I, I don't know. It, it is possible this is the first time I ever had falafel. Oh, well, then I really can't wait to hear what you thought about it. But okay, so we have polar opposites here. I've had this sandwich countless times and you have maybe had it never. So there yeah. you go. And and as I get into the history of it, which I'm not going to make up this week, or maybe I am, and I'm just saying that to fuck with you, Joe. Uh, it might explain why. So falafel was invented in the Middle East. Now, the exact history of falafel is controversial. Egyptians, Palestinians, and Lebanese all make a claim to it, but it seems like the uh, general consensus is it was probably invented somewhere in Egypt, probably around a 1,000 years ago, and it was originally made from fava beans, but now it is mostly made with chickpeas. However, the falafel sandwich does, it seem, have a more verifiable history, and it does seem like this, the falafel sandwich, came to Israel by way of Yemeni Jews when... Uh, Those all, are my people. When they, and just, just wait for it, Joe. Your, your, your people are really going to get a shout out. But Yemeni Jews came to Israel when there was a great migration of a lot of Middle Eastern, from Jews from all around the Middle East that went to Israel in the 1950s, and they took falafel, uh, you know, the Middle Eastern dish that'd be eaten for a long time. They started putting in pita bread. They started putting all sorts of other crap into it. And basically, maybe they were the first people to put it in pita bread. Maybe they weren't. But certainly the Israelis were the first people that were starting to really experiment with falafel and french fries and vegetables and all sorts of stuff like it was definitely the israelis that took falafel put it into some sort of bread and started just mixing all sorts of crap with it and calling it a falafel sandwich and um this tidbit from wikipedia i I can't go without saying it falafel plays an iconic role in israeli cuisine is widely considered the national dish by many in the country although falafel is not itself a Jewish dish. It was eaten by 
Wikipedia page Mizrahi Jews in their countries what? of origin. You got oh my god! The Mizrahi Jews got a specific Wikipedia call out, and you have your own Wikipedia page. We do. We do the Mizrahi Jews. My family name has its own Wikipedia page. That is true. I, I had no idea though how how linked the falafel history was with my own family history. Are you you promise you're not making this up though, right? I, I, you can go to the Wikipedia page, and unless any of well, you our, could have edited it though. Well, if any of our nefarious listeners, I guess they won't they won't hear this until you've checked. You're, you're, the Mizrahi Jews are shouted out. Now I was confused because I had thought Mizrahi Jews had come from Spain, but I'm I, I guess I'm or I guess they got expelled from Spain. That's what happened, right? They got expelled from Spain, and then a lot of them were in Yemen. Some of them, like my family, basically lived. I mean, this is funny. This is like what happens when you get expelled like 500 years ago. They basically spent the next 500 years in an island like 30 miles off of Spain, which is like, <laughs> like you know, 30 miles by a boat in like the 1400s is like a lot. It's like a big distance, right? It's a long time. Uh, yeah. Uh, but like, but but now, it, you know, they probably have like a ferry that runs every hour. But but basically, yeah. So all the Mizrahi Jews, basically Mizrahi just means from the east. So it's any Middle Eastern Jew. Uh, and then there was a big migration of Mizrahi Jews out of Egypt in the 1950s for not so great reasons. Yes, yes. A a perfect explanation of why I think this is something that your family was making growing up. I mean, this is if I mean if you are of Middle Eastern descent, and again, this it's falafel itself is not something that. And in reading the articles, like there's a lot of controversy because people say it's a, the Israeli national dish, and you know other cultures who don't necessarily have the best relationship with the Israelis are like, hey, you stole our fucking dish. And there's a lot of merit to that. But at the same time, it's like, hey, it's a great dish. Like, can't we all just get along here? But I think that like not to get too serious on this topic of of, of, like Middle Eastern politics, but I think that like is actually a good example of how like the Arab and Jewish people were like for centuries, not enemies and had very just like cohesive, coexistent cultures. Um, that only until like recent history with British imperialism sort of went sideways. So anyway, the serious topic, but like, it is true that like this, this, it probably was both of their dishes. Oh, absolutely. Like there's just no doubt about it. I mean, obviously Israel was a created territory before Israel existed that, that what is now Israel was just part of various other countries. So I don't even know what country. It's just a giant falafel ball eating country. (laughs) But they were definitely eating falafel before it was Israel there. They're definitely eating it now. Although, as you say, I think they've really – I mean, I've never been to Israel. But uh, the, I, what you describe is certainly makes it – it sounds like what I read about. And, and multiple things have said that falafel is and, – and more specifically, the falafel sandwich is like the national dish of Israel. Oh, 100%. Absolutely. All right. Well, I mean, what what an interesting history. So – linked to not only heritage of uh jews people you call yourself one of the the country that you've been to many times but your tribe in the jewish religion i mean look dan maybe i'm being partisan but i have to give this history a 10 out of 10 i mean for me come on how could it be any better wow 10 out of 10 i mean (laughs) other than short of the falafel page giving you joseph mizrahi a specific (laughs) call out right Right, right. If that if that happens with a different sandwich, 
I will I will downgrade this one to a nine. But until that happens, this is as close as it's going to get. Well, one of our listeners, and by, by the way, we need a, a a nickname for our listeners for this podcast. I don't know what it's going to be. I don't think you should come up with it now. But we need to do that. If one oh, of we'll our think about it, we'll think about it. If yeah. one of our listeners knows what sandwich is coming up, they might edit the Wikipedia page to make a <laughs> shout out for you. But short of that, uh, you're not going to get better That's than fine. that. I encourage that behavior. No, I don't encourage that. As a former Wikipedia editor, but Joe. Let's move on to the next category. Right, you were, is that on your resume, Dan? You were a Wikipedia editor? Wow. <laughs> Joe, you, you got to add in uh, the, the uh, extracurricular activities where you can, you know. I want to get. I, in. I didn't realize I was talking to uh, such a learned man. Okay. I want to get into those top-tier universities, <laughs> Joe. The Ivies. All right. What's the next topic, Dan? Could the sandwich be in my regular rotation? So we're looking at the preparation, the availability, and the health. And I'll just get the health out of the way first, as I want to do. So this sandwich, you know, I I thought coming in, well, boy, this has got to be like a super healthy sandwich. And honestly, to to some degree, it is. There's nothing unhealthy about the sandwich. However, uh, the one I made at home, you know, where I can look at the labels, my sandwich came in with um, 550 calories, 40 grams of fat, 60 grams of carbs, and 18 grams of protein. So the the falafel balls themselves have a ton of carbs and a ton of fat. The tahini has a ton of fat. And, you know, the pita bread is actually a fairly lean bread or whatever. But but basically, if you're somebody who cares about carbs, like, falafel is a disaster for you. Right, because you and, don't get the, like, carb-free protein hit of meat. And if you're, look, if you're trying to have a fat-free diet, it's also a disaster because it's like – I think both falafel and tahini are both very fatty substances, but they're like the good fats. And and obviously, there are other aspects of the sandwich, the vegetables or whatever, which are giving you fiber, giving you vitamins, whatever. They're all very healthy. But it's it's sort of like a high-fat, high-carb, low-protein sandwich. I will say in its defense health-wise – a little bit like the meatball sub is that I do feel like a falafel sandwich, and and we'll get into this with the with the taste and all that. But I'm I'm curious your thoughts on this. It's a very filling sandwich. Like you don't like the 540 calories or 550 calories of a falafel sandwich. I think go a lot further in filling you up than like the 450 of the ham and cheese. See, it's really interesting that you said that because. In my experience, with I, I had both a homemade version and a uh, version I got at uh, a local um, Euro place. I was both very filled up and like I was not hungry for a long time, but at the same time, I didn't feel uncomfortably full. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Probably because you didn't have a bunch of like greasy meat, but it it, it is just it's a it's a hearty crumb. It's a filling sandwich. It's a. <laughs> It seems like a nutritious sandwich, but at the same time, I think depending on your type of diet, it may or may not be, you know, the the yeah. the perfect sandwich for everybody's diet. No, I, and I think it is one of those things that probably seems healthier than it actually is. Yeah, I would say but just because it doesn't have meat in it. But now, Joe, I think moving into prep and availability, this is is this is going to be a really interesting aspect of this. So obviously, you talked about your family making this at home. So w- w- was your family growing up just making falafel? W- were you making falafel sandwiches growing up? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, so I mean, we would make a lot of falafel at home uh, for sure. And I remember having it at my aunt's houses and stuff and and 
usually using like a falafel mix that you get at the grocery store, uh, which you just like pack into tiny balls and then you fry up the balls of falafel. I mean, I would say, so if we're going to talk about at-home prep first, I would say um, it's not something, I mean, your sister and I have definitely cooked falafel at home like before and, you know, maybe a few times a year. And even that might be a little generous um, just because it's sort of a pain to fry anything at home. Yeah. Like that's the thing is that like, as far as fried food goes, it's not hard. I feel like the mixes are pretty good. You buy a mix, you add like oil and water, you ball it up and you do it. But just like the idea of fry, it's just always messy and greasy and like you get smoke in the house and like, you know, it's, it's just sort of like, it's not an easy prep thing. It's like you're, you're this is like a, a big prep meal. For, for my homemade one, I use the frozen Trader Joe's falafel and they, you know, Jeff is going to be very upset at me, but it literally said on the side of the package, recommended cooking method, microwave. <laughs> and I put them in the microwave, and the, the texture is just, just not great. It, if, yeah. I, if you don't fry it, because having gotten one at the store as well, it, the texture, it, it's not a hearty crumb when it comes out of the microwave. It's 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 a very... Um, a limp crumb? Yeah, yeah, it was a very limp crumb. I mean, you look at it and it falls <laughs> apart. It didn't. There was no crunch to it. There's no. It. It, it was. It was very disappointing that the the frozen option was uh, so subpar, in my opinion. No, it's you know, and I was thinking about this with the falafel. Um, I didn't. I didn't try to buy one at the store or to like store it in the fridge. But but I was. I don't know the food science behind it. But like, it just seems like fried food in general just doesn't like refrigerate well. Like if you think about like like French fries out of the fridge are gross. If you have like chicken fingers out of the fridge are terrible. Oh, fried chicken is just a disaster once it gets cold. Yeah, exactly. And I think falafel is the same that like it's not even just that the frozen version or the heat up at home version is going to be bad. But like if you make falafel or if you buy falafel out of the out of the to go place and then save half your sandwich for later, it's not going to be good. Definitely. It just doesn't reheat well. It doesn't. And and it is the, the type of sandwich that has a problem where the falafel itself is, you know, a fried thing that's going to be hot and crunchy, but the rest of it are like cold and crisp. So there's if you don't have that right away, you're, something is going to be wrong. Yeah. So we could just say, I mean, this is like an eat immediately sandwich. It's definitely an eat immediately sandwich. But, you know, as you say, this sandwich in terms of availability – it, it does. It is almost a great version of, of street food. Like, this is something you're on the go. You could go to a corner falafel place, get a falafel sandwich. Like, I can imagine it's a quick wrap. Or, you know, it's it's relatively quick to make, I assume, at, at one of these corner places. That's, Absolutely. It's got it ready to go. They just put it in that pocket. I think if it's if we were in Israel, I think this it's is a no-brainer. like... no-brainer. Yeah. This is great. However... I'm curious what you what your availability is like in Seattle for for I'm sure you've you've had Israeli falafel sandwiches I assume oh yeah 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 of course um, yeah so so the place that I actually got my falafel sandwich and I sent you a picture of it Dan uh, is a place called Mister Euros in Seattle there's three locations one of them blew up by the way because there was like a gas leak in the building next to it and it exploded oh I thought you meant uh, blew up like it became super popular. <laughs> No, it, it, like literally the whole building blew up. Like, that's it much was, worse. Did and it was just not there one day. I know it was crazy, but uh, it's like pretty available here. The one that I got, 
we go to Mr. Euros all the time. We get the falafel, but we, we've actually never gotten it in sandwich form there before. Um, you get the falafel plate? Yeah, or the Euros or the shawarma. We get like a whole mix of things. Yes. Liz likes to go because like Mr. Euros is very handsome. And so she always, she always, she's, she's hoping that there's not a Mrs. Euros. Now, what nationality is Mr. Euros? Very ambiguous. They have in their, in their restaurant, this is, I think, maybe one way to like, like pander to this like mixed history. They have posters of Israel and they have posters that say Palestine. Then they have posters of Greece and of like, I think like, I don't know, like Egypt, I think. Interesting. Yeah. So they just have every place. That it possibly could be from. When I went to the place I went to as well was called Park Euros, and I, it was also ambiguous as to as to exactly where in the Middle East it was from. And I was trying to like pinpoint it, but the one thing I did notice, and I'm interested if you saw this in your place, every single person in there when I was getting my falafel was like Middle Eastern. <laughs> like this is definitely like the like meeting point for every middle eastern person in all of san francisco oh, well, that's to, like, good. Go to you lunch. probably went to like a very like like authentic one then that's great i mean yeah i mean this place is in like a very like hip neighborhood of seattle so it was like a bunch of like you know white yuppies well i mean this place i went to is in the middle of the castro yeah in san francisco but like there you go. I, I assure you every middle eastern person was like dying there and had like weird middle eastern music on yeah i mean i i think in general this is once again, it's a little bit like the meatball sub in that it's not available at like a random – if I go to a random sandwich shop or like a deli or, uh, you know, you know whatever, even like a diner, like all the places that we've talked about getting other sandwiches, they're – not even they might not have a falafel. They're definitely not going to have a good falafel sandwich. But falafel stands and falafel restaurants are like pretty pretty available in Seattle. Yeah. The one thing that I thought of when it comes to availability is like, for to your point, my local sandwich place, which had you know so many sandwiches, it even had the meatball sub. You know, as as you know, it's not just cold sandwiches; they have hot sandwiches. You know, they're not even close to having falafel. Like, right? It's not even a right. thought in their mind. There are specific falafel places in San Francisco that like are called like Falafel House or whatever, and the Yelp reviews are like, "Oh my God, their falafel sandwiches are the greatest thing in the world." The you know Euro place falafel, I don't think is their main dish. You know, I think their main dish is meat based dishes. Right. right. So, I in some sense, I feel like. The availability of this, I think, pure falafel places in all of San Francisco. I mean, maybe there are like ten of them or something. It, it's it's not a lot, I think. If you're look, if you're if you're widening it to Middle Eastern places where you can get falafels, I think then it's you know in the hundreds or whatever. But I'm not sure. I I, I think of all three sandwiches we've done, this one is probably the least available. I think that's probably true. Um... You know, though I would say one thing about falafel is that it's like a relatively low variance dish. Like, like I don't think that. Like, I think good falafel is better than bad falafel, and and there's probably a difference between a great falafel place and a not great falafel place. But even bad falafel, because you're just basically frying up the same batch of ingredients, is like pretty good. So probably you're going to get a good falafel, even if it is at a euros place. Well. When I was reading about the Israeli falafel sandwich, it did seem like they're putting all these wacky ingredients and they're really taking care of the sandwich. It felt like this place was not taking the same care. And I I don't I'm I'm not getting ahead of myself. I'm I'm not saying it was bad. 
we'll, we'll right. get into that later. I'm just saying it didn't seem to me that the falafel sandwich was they weren't falafel artists. Like they no, were I think, just I think yeah, no, I think that's yeah, no, I think that's true. If you want someone really thinking about the ratio of the salad and whatever other ingredients they're putting in, yeah, you're probably gonna get a better version of that at a pure falafel place, for sure. There's also now, I don't know if this is I think in San Francisco, food trucks are very popular in Seattle and a lot of falafel food trucks too. I mean that makes sense. And I I, I don't doubt that there are a lot of them. I don't think I've necessarily seen one. And I mean, I probably wouldn't, if I saw one, I probably wouldn't have eaten one because I would have thought, what's falafel? <laughs> yeah. I don't yeah. want to eat this. So I, I don't know if it's like affecting the availability of it. I think the, the best availability would be the, you know, whatever. There are, as I said, there are 10 or so places if you look on Yelp for falafel, but they're just, you know, few and far between. And I think the closest one to my house is, is like still over a mile away, you know? Oh, yeah. See, I think I think at least where I live and... You know, in a lot of places I've been, I think falafel is a pretty easy to find food in most urban areas. And maybe that's just because I've spent more time looking for for it. But I think in terms of overall availability and this being in the regular rotation, look, it's not as healthy as it seems. To your point, it is probably the hardest sandwich to get we've talked about, even though I don't think it's that hard to find at a restaurant. But the fact that like essentially you can't you can't reheat it, you can't store it. And really, it's not like. I'm not going to cook this for myself to go. This is going to be like a, we are planning a meal that night and it's going to be a falafel type yeah. of thing. So I would say for me, in terms of, of availability, I think it's like a two and a half out of 10. It's a wow. low score. Wow. I mean, technically the question is, could it be in your regular rotation? But the score yeah. applies. Yeah, two and a half for, for that too. All right. I just... For all our listeners, so they're not going crazy. Your dog's just barking in the background, right? Yeah, I don't know. He's he's a very old dog. I don't know what he's barking at. Okay, go check. I'm gonna go check. Is poor is Reggie okay, Joe? Yeah, I think he just saw like a raccoon outside, just like the raccoon that used to <laughs> visit your house. Uh, maybe it migrated. It's not at my house anymore. But they they do go north for the winter. Yeah, <laughs> makes sense. Very, very strange animal. They want to leave the beautiful uh, winter we're having in San Francisco where it's like bright and sunny every day for I'm sure the like rainy, miserable cold that you're having in Seattle. It's what raccoons like. That's right. All right, Joe. Next category. Is this a first date sandwich? It's a pretty messy sandwich, I think. Though I will say, Dan, you saw the picture of the one that I sent. They did this interesting thing with the falafel sandwich that I got where, you know, normally – I've had it. They like take the pita and they cut the pita and they stuff everything inside. Yes. This one that I got, they sort of use the pita like a taco and they never cut it. Yeah. They just wrapped it all around, uh, you know, like a tortilla or whatever, but it was a, it was still like a thick pita and it was actually much, much cleaner that way. Uh, there's a pretty good idea, but you know, in general, I think the same problem that this had, you know, with the meatball sub where, where like, you know, because you're managing, balls like you know ball management is just challenging with a sandwich dan that's interesting were you what what was the shape of your of your falafel in your the the sandwich that you got i mean i guess i would describe it as like a like a like a chubby disc chubby disc see see i'm wondering in mine the the falafel balls themselves i mean they weren't shaped like balls they were they were more shaped like uh nuggets a little bit and I, I really didn't have any trouble at all because I felt that their like the fried outsides were like creating enough friction that it was really the sandwich was holding together. I thought, uh, I, I thought it held together like 
very nice, like much more than the meatball sub, which was sort of decomposing. I, I felt like even when I was taking bites, it was everything was sort of holding together. Yeah, it doesn't decompose, but I feel like wherever you take your bite, you have to be like managing. Like it's sort of like the type of sandwich where you like lean over the plate while you eat it. Now I'll note I'm I'm looking at the picture of yours. Yours actually it almost looks like a soft taco. Mine was wrapped almost like a burrito, and in fact it came wrapped in tin foil. So I was sort of using the you know the tin foil was was offering um, you know a pressure holding it together, and so I was just unwrapping you know, little bits at the top and sort of biting my way through it. I'll tell you, the funny thing is I thought it was not only a super clean sandwich to go through, but the the bread, which I'm not sure if it was pita or what I looked up as something called lavash bread. Not sure what the difference is. Hmm. Not sure if that's what it was. The bread itself had some type of substance on it, which I'm assuming was flour or something like flour that I felt actually was like self-cleaning. It was like... If I did get a little bit of like sauce on my hand or whatever, that powder would just like clean it off. So I maybe I, it was like the cleaning powder that that like they use in like the like janitors use to clean the floor with. I, I think they like might the, have like been the, like the powder soap. Yeah, I think it might have been because I'm telling you, when I ate the sandwich, like for me, this was like a zero napkin sandwich and a, a I, zero I, napkin sandwich. Wow, zero, no sandwich gloves necessary, and I. At the end of it, I, you know, my hands had a little powder on. It. I sort of rubbed them together, and then you know the powder like sort of rubbed off or whatever. And I, I don't know what it did. It like became, you know turned into like cleaning solution or something. And that was it. I, this are wait, are you sure you didn't dream this? This was a the self cleaning sandwich. I literally put it in my notes that whatever the the powder was on the bread, which again I think it was lavash bread. I'm not sure. I, I don't know enough about this Middle Eastern cuisine to know the details. But I ate the entire sandwich. I noticed my hands had this powder on it. I sort of rubbed them together, and then that was it. My I mean my hands are just completely clean. It was incredible. I, I I mean I think that is incredible. I, next time I'm in San Francisco, I I need to try this self cleaning sandwich. I mean I would say it's definitely cleaner than the meatball sub, but but I still feel like managing a saucy bally food with like it, it's not an open sandwich, but it's not as closed off as like a bread on top bread on bottom sandwich. It is just messier than like a ham and cheese sandwich. I think it is so dependent because like yours is just so different than mine. Like yeah. yours is yeah. this open yeah. thing. I can see how. I can see how if you were on a date, you're eating that sandwich you have, you're going to be getting sauce on your face. Stuff's going to be, you know, falling out or whatever. With mine, I mean, you could go, uh, you have that thing. You each could be eating it, going on a walk, you know, again, self-cleaning, no mess. As far as I'm concerned, there's no even management issues in terms of um, holding the sandwich together. Tin foil's doing all the work for you. I will say almost every falafel place that I went in Israel, they do really do, they use the tin foil and sort of that like parchment paper. Like it's usually like wrapped in like a yellow parchment paper and then the tin foil around that. It's like they really use that to like good effect. See, I think mine would have had the parchment paper, but it didn't need it because it had the like cleaning powder. (laughs) Oh my god, that, was, that soap is a great idea. That was serving as that that sort of um, layer between the tin foil and the sandwich itself. All right, all right, Dan. I'm going to give this as a, as a first date sandwich. I'm going to give this. We had mixed results. Let's just go straight down the middle. Five out of ten. Five out of ten. And again, I do do think what you're saying is true. That if if you have the sandwich you have, this is not yeah. clean. I think the sandwich I had. So I think if you are going to go on a first date with this sandwich, you've got to pre-vet 
the yeah, that's, you have to location. go on a scouting mission, try it first. I will say also, as a side note, very good smelling sandwich. I don't think any aspect of it is particularly odorous. It smells just like fried food. Yeah. It smells, yeah. but but it doesn't even smell like it doesn't even smell like fried meat has a very no. It smells like French fries smell basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's right. French fries smell, and again, if you're if it's wrapped in foil or something, that foil is like containing the smell a little bit, so it's not going everywhere. But now, Joe, into the main event here. Does the sandwich taste good, Dan? I mean, I kind of want you to go first. This is your your first experience with the falafel. Well, look, there are lots of aspects of the sandwich I like. I love crunchy, fresh veggies. You know, like the one I made at home, I put cucumber and tomato. I love cucumber and tomato. Pita bread, I'm fine with, you know. I don't necessarily love it, but I don't hate it. But the falafel balls themselves, both at the the uh, restaurant and certainly the ones I made at home, you know, they're just <laughs> – it's it's really not that great. Like it's not it's not tasty as far as I'm concerned. It's not bad. But it's just – it just didn't strike me. When I took the first bite, I was expecting to take a bite and say, boy, this is going to be flavorful and delicious. And it just – it just wasn't. Wow. Wow. I mean it makes me wonder if um, falafel is like an acquired taste because for me, I thought it was delicious. And it's funny because we had never ordered a falafel sandwich at this particular place, which we go to all the time. and. When I got it, like your sister and I were eating it, and, and what I said to her was like, "Why? Why have we not gotten this sandwich? Why are we getting like the falafel plate like idiots when this sandwich is like a much better option?" The only downside is that your sister ate like ninety percent of it. I only got like three bites before she just took it from me. Wow! <laughs> but it's, I just think it's such a good sandwich because it has the perfect, it's like a perfect texture sandwich. Like it has just the right mix of like the soft bread, the sauce the cucumbers and tomatoes and then just like these crunchy fried balls that like if you get that like it's one of those sandwiches where you know like you can see like the perfect bite and if you just get the perfect bite with every element in it it's just it's like the 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 things are just designed to be eaten together fair enough and and i see where you're coming from and and i have a a story that i'm i don't want to tell you oh uh uh-oh well, when I made my version, so I got the one at the store last Tuesday. So this this podcast is like ruining my life now, of course, because it's so much work. This is like my only job, and it's terrible. And so I try to get the 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 sandwich out of the way as quickly as possible, just especially for one I've never had before. And then I kept procrastinating, making the sandwich at home, making the sandwich at home. So I actually had my falafel sandwich at home about three hours ago. So that's the one that's most fresh in my mind. And as I said, I already had the falafel balls out of the microwave that just weren't good. But Joe, I looked all through the grocery store for tahini, and I eventually found it. You know, I had to ask somebody, which I don't like doing. And so I made the sandwich, I put the tahini on it, and I took a bite, and then I realized there is a very, very, very large difference between tahini and tahini sauce. <laughs> yes. Um, yes. Tahini is just like, yeah, no, that's right. So I. The, that's like the difference between getting like peanuts and peanut butter. <laughs> so after I took that bite, I was like, like if, someone, if someone said that they tried a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, but they actually tried like jelly with like a bunch of like planters peanuts in it. So you'd be like, well, that's a different thing. I took a bite of that and I was like, 
boy, this teeny is insane. I was like, this can't be right. And so then I went to make – I was like, this can't be right. So then I looked to fi- figure out how to make tahini sauce out of tahini. And I tried to – I made some variant of it. I had oh, the no. necessary That's, ingredients. It's going to be I, hard to make. I have no I, idea how to do I that. had garlic. I had olive oil. Uh, I had lemons. But it just didn't – it didn't taste right at all. <laughs> so I will say that I feel like when I – had the version last week which again it's so you know it's happened six days ago so i sort of forgot other than the notes i had i felt like the sauce was something that was like yeah really bringing the whole thing together and the version i had today the sauce was like <laughs> no the sauce makes a huge difference dan the sauce was like concentrated like fat you know it's like it's like crazy i will say in Israel, one of the funny things is that like you know so here like when you have tahini sauce it's like usually like pretty like it's not gourmet, but it's like a specialty food, right? They're like the tahini sauce is like um, it's like ketchup, right? Like they just like having these like squirt. They just like put it on like really quick, and like I think that they're like they're they're eating like the Heinz ketchup version of tahini sauce. Now, well, I'll tell you, if you put tahini in a squirt bottle, it's not. It's not, it's it's not going to squirt out. It's, it's not going to squirt. Uh, yeah, yeah, and then I mean, you mentioned this, and this obviously I didn't try this this week, but it has to go into taste. Is that like when you go to Israel, like they have. Like, oh, man, it's obviously not healthy, but, like, the falafel sandwich with, like, just, like, french fries stuffed in and some ketchup on top is so fucking good. Yeah, I don't doubt it. I don't doubt it. And, you know, when I looked at the Yelp reviews for the place that's, like, you know, falafel station or whatever it's called, they showed somewhat almost like a a subway situation where behind the counter they had, like, 15 different toppings. And I think you can go there and order off the menu and, you know, get – you know, whatever, the Tel Aviv or something that has French fries or the whatever. Yeah, yeah. Whereas, you know, at this place, the place I went to, which is not a falafel place, it's just a Middle Eastern place, you know, they just have the falafel sandwich and it's just made the way, again, it's made the way they make their meat sandwiches. There's nothing different about it. But again, it, like, the the memory most clearly in my mind is <laughs> just the straight tahini version, which is, <laughs> and, and the frozen... Yeah, that's that's um, such, that's like the worst version. But you know, I I mean, one one area where I will agree with you, and I'll like downgrade this a little bit, is like, well, I think it's sort of each element is sort of texturally great and perfect together. Um, I think that actually the falafel sandwich, in my mind, is actually a really good example of a sandwich that is better than the sum of its parts. In that, like, the main element of a falafel sandwich is the falafel ball. And I would rather, and maybe it's just because I'm more of a meat eater than a vegetarian. I would rather have a meatball than a falafel ball any given day. How could that be even debatable? Well, I think there are many people that would debate that. Like probably a lot of my Mizrahi, (laughs) the Mizrahi Jews, many of them would debate that. All, All, you know, animal cruelty and suffering aside, like a meatball is just, Way better than a falafel ball. That being said, I do think that this sandwich, because it, it it's like such a well thought out sandwich of bringing elements together, I think it's just better than, than the sum of its parts. So I think overall, look, falafel bars, balls aren't aren't my favorite food in the world, but I think overall the sandwich is like a eight out of ten for taste. Eight out of ten. Wow. I'll tell you, I'm just thinking about it. If you took the exact sandwich I got and replaced the falafel balls with just normal meatballs, I think it's a lot better. <laughs> Even with just straight tahina on it. <laughs> the the straight tahini is uh don't i should have been suspicious when i was like you know getting it out of the container and putting it on and it, it's like a thick sauce i mean 
it is like like the consistency of peanut butter. And I was like, this doesn't seem right. Like, it's not a sauce. That being said, my dad eats straight tahini all the time. That's crazy. And it has a really powerful smell because, like, I I made a version of the sauce and it, like, didn't work. And, you know, I just had to, to call the whole thing a failure. And I, like, tried to wash it out in the sink. And, like, the entire house, like, if anybody knew the smell, they'd be like, tahini has been here. Yeah, yeah. Dan, what are you making with tahini? And you're like, nothing. I just poured that on my sandwich. <laughs> All right, what's next? My favorite, straight tahini. <laughs> By the way, tahini's expensive also. Like the Ugh. the two containers yeah. in the store, the one container was eighteen dollars, and then that that was the refrigerated one, and then the non refrigerated re, non refrigerated one was eleven dollars. So it's like it's a lot. The fact that you're buying straight tahini but you won't buy a fucking head of lettuce, it's it's ridiculous. This sandwich could have used some lettuce too, but you know, I love cucumbers. See, the cucumber is good because you buy the cucumber. I probably used one quarter of the cucumber in the sandwich, but I just ate the rest of it because I just love eating raw cucumber. Yep. Like you have to be a psychopath to just be eating raw lettuce. And that's what a salad is basically. Yeah, but that's raw lettuce that has, you know, salad dressing or whatever. I don't want salad dressing. <laughs> What's next? Is the sandwich a monster? So this comes from uh, hopefully future best-selling author, our fan, our you know we don't have the name for our sandwich fans yet, but future future Pulitzer Prize-winning author maybe is that he's not a reporter, uh, Nobel Prize for literature is that well <laughs> I don't know if it's literature I don't know what prize you get for like best like historical they must have a nonfiction prize for nonfiction books I don't think so. Isn't uh, that just for reporting, not for history? All right, all right. Maybe in in his next review, can Josh write in what what award he hopes to get? Yeah, yeah. So we can call him future <laughs> yeah. whatever. Oh, yeah, exactly. Insert blank here, reward winner. But anyways, important for this noted vegan. He's a vegan. So oh, interesting. Here we go. Okay. So this sandwich is pretty good. Most of the ingredients, like chickpeas for the falafel and sesame seeds for the tahini, are Middle Eastern in origin, which means they are drought-resistant and don't use a lot of water. Oh, interesting. The other ingredients, such as lettuce, onion, and tomato, are likewise pretty benign. One point, though, the origin of the sandwich is a source of political tension. It is claimed by both Israelis and Palestinians that, like a falafel right out of the fryer, is too hot for me to handle. (laughs) He puts the monster scale at the Mogwai. Wow. 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 Um, so this this might be as good as we get ethically. I mean, other than like, you know, basically being a proxy fight for a huge geopolitical conflict. It's pretty good. I, I thought it was going to get better than that. But, you know, this is the problem with the, the Middle East. Like until Jared Kushner solves it, it's Every, just it's bringing everything. Down. Everything's a hot button issue until Jared Kushner can get in there. If they would just give him the security clearance, he could figure it out. I <laughs> know. It's a shame for the sandwich. I thought it was going to get, you know, like a unicorn or something, but. Yeah, yeah. But it's a little monstrous because, well, all right, well, you know, uh, it came close, but we have to accept the results of uh, future future Tony Award winner. <laughs> well, when, when, Josh. when Red Meat Republic is adapted into a best-selling musical. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I would definitely see that, by the way. Uh, absolutely. I'm going to say this is, let's give it a eight and a half out of 10. Eight and a half, a fair score. And I'll say to, earlier today, I was listening to a podcast on uh, the uh, the Ezra Klein show, which we're, I'm trying to recruit to the uh, Joe Picks podcast network. 
and it, it was talking about uh, the future of meat or whatever, and they were talking about, you know, how horrible meat is, and, you know, just not only from an animal suffering basis, but for, like, an environmental basis, and I was like, I felt good that it was, <laughs> I was eating my falafel sandwich. As a side note, Dan, if we just if we just start promoting other podcasts as being part of the Joe Picks Podcast Network, I mean, would anyone sue us? We're, 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 we're promoting them. Well, the lawsuit just helps our publicity. <laughs> okay, okay. Well, you know. Ezra Klein's podcast, part of the Joe Picks Pod Network. Interesting. Future. Future (laughs) Tony Award winner and future member of the Joe Picks Podcast Network. All right. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, no, I think think that uh, the future of meat is falafel balls, obviously. The fact that you're even saying, like, you would rather have a falafel ball than a meatball, or, or certainly a lot of people would. I mean, that's awesome. Like, that. that is that is very cool that, you know, there is... And, and obviously, throughout this podcast series, we're going to review lots of vegetarian sandwiches. And I, I already, off the top of my head, know vegetarian sandwiches, which I really like, probably like better than this one. But but it's very cool that, you know, they exist. And, you know, we should feel good about it when eating them. I'm excited for like five years from now in our episodes on this podcast, we'll be able to try a lab meat grown sandwich. Definitely. I mean, we could already do that. And, and I think... Uh, you know, when we get to the burger, I have no doubt that we will do that. But Joe, we're not to the burger yet. We have one last category, and that is the celebrity Bing search. All right, Dan. So I did my Bing search to see what celebrities had uh, eaten this sandwich. And unfortunately, uh, there wasn't a ton. There was something about um, Mila Kunis eating this when she was pregnant. But like the picture of her, it's like she she went into a falafel place, but then it was just her leaving with like a bottle of a smoothie so it's like she maybe didn't even get a falafel (laughs) it was false advertising there wasn't any no good red carpet stories but damn mila kunis mila kunis she's got to be from the middle east uh yeah i think i think the kunis family is from the middle east yeah absolutely is she a fellow mizrahi jew uh no i don't think so oh all right okay so look there were no good stories but then i remembered the best celebrity endorsement you could possibly get which is The Simpsons. Dan, can you play the clip I sent you? <laughs> well, I don't know about food from the Middle East. Isn't that whole area a little iffy? <laughs> hey, I'm no geographer. You and I, why don't we call it pocket bread, huh? Uh, what's tahini? Flavor sauce. <laughs> and falafel? Crunch patties. So we'd be selling foreign Specialty food. foods. Here, try a Ben Franklin. I think that is why I just put the raw tahini on. It's not flavor sauce. It has to be turned into sauce. <laughs> I just picture you in the grocery store saying, what's tahini? That's what I said. I went to the woman. I was like, do you have tahini in this supermarket? And then they did have it, but it was like they had the refrigerated tahini in one well, there was like one <laughs> section in the entire refrigerated section. And then she was like, also, we have dry tahini. And then it's all the way across the supermarket. Also, in like the upper shelf, the corner in like in like the bread aisle. It's it's, it's specialty not easy food, to Dan. find. No, absolutely. But it wasn't in the specialty food section. Dan, do you think you would have liked your sandwich better if it was called the Benjamin Franklin? I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't want to make any claims about any of the founding fathers. <laughs> Without Josh pre-vetting and telling me it's okay. God, God knows what Benjamin Franklin did. So, Dan, I mean, you remember that episode. There, 
Marge is Marge starts a pretzel stand because she's looking for a franchise opportunity, and of course her her rivals in the. I believe Joe, it was a pretzel wagon. <laughs> That's right, a pretzel wagon. Fine. Uh, frankly, as a Simpsons fan, Dan, I'm disappointed you didn't bring this up earlier in the episode. Uh, <laughs> you piece of shit. <laughs> I wanted to bring it up earlier. You stopped me. Look, look. All I'm saying is. One major plot point of this episode was that their falafel stand was wildly popular with everyone because falafel is delicious. Yeah. Fleeta pita. That's right. Uh, so I thought, what a great endorsement. Even these like uptight Christian women in the in the Simpsons world love the falafel sandwich, as long as you called it a Ben Franklin. Yeah. And the, I, I mean, the, the Fleeta pita cart or i think it was it was like a van they i think were the right kind of falafel station they had you know the benjamin franklin i'm sure they had you know a variety the uh the jefferson davis the robert e lee (laughs) they had a good a bunch of all-american sandwiches but they probably had like french fries and shit you know they had the specific variants and i think as far as i'm concerned that is the key with the sandwich oh i mean if fleet pita pulled up in front of my work next to a pretzel wagon i definitely would get the pita sandwich yeah, I could see that. And Joe, I mean, let's just roll. Well, you have to give the score. I think this is a great endorsement. Uh, let's go 7 out of 10. Before I, just like the Fleet of Pita van, I wanted to roll straight to the next <laughs> section and putting that falafel sandwich on the cutting board, Joe. So here's how this works. I'm going to give my argument for or against the falafel sandwich, Joe. Then you will make your argument and the final decision. So, Joe... The falafel sandwich is on the cutting board, and here is what I say. Falafel sandwich, more like lawful sandwich, because this is the model citizen of the sandwich world. Not only is it vegetarian, it's vegan. It's filling, but still relatively light. It's packed with veggies, and pita bread is another new and fun way to enjoy my beloved white bread. But Joe, I'm not a rule follower. Maybe if I was able to have some mind-bending variants of this sandwich, I'd like it more. But even in those cases, I believe the least, my least favorite part of the sandwich would be its namesake ingredient. And if I'm going to a specialty store to get a sandwich, it's probably going to have to deliver more than this sandwich is capable of. I wish the sandwich no ill will and have gained a lot of respect for it this week. But I just can't get over the hump and endorse it for inclusion on the menu. Wow, Dan, that's tough. That's tough. Look, I think the falafel sandwich, first of all, if we just recap a little bit, good celebrity endorsement, fucking great, great history. I mean, come on. It's the Mizrahi family story. Uh, Tastes exceptional and is a really great summation of ingredients. And I would say, I mean, the point of a sandwich, it's like the sandwich form elevates falafel to better than itself, which is so important. The one downside to the falafel and why I really struggle with it is that it is just not a sandwich that I will honestly make for myself all that often. And can we move a sandwich forward that is just not something I'm going to cook? It's not something that I'm going to, you know, keep in the fridge. And that's the one downside. So amazing taste, totally ethical, uh, you know, health wise is iffy, uh, great history, all that with the contradiction of not being able to have it at home. After a lot of deliberation, Dan, I have to say, it would be a falah felony <laughs> to not move this forward. I say we put the falafel sandwich on the menu. 
hell is that, Joe? Falafelony. You like it? Well, first of all, I thought at the end of what you were saying, you were gonna you were gonna say something negative and not put it on the menu. But well, I was giving, I was, I was building suspense, Dan. I was saying all the good things, and then I said, "This is why I'm not sure about it." But then in the end, I'm moving it forward. I mean, Joe, I feel like you're. It's good that you're not like a uh, prosecutor or whatever, because you would like in your like closing arguments, you would like talk all the way about why the person was innocent. You would be like. And that's, folks, why you go got to go convict. No, Dan, Dan, look, look. In the organizing world, it's it's called inoculation. You 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 use your opponent's arguments, but then you debunk them. You said all the arguments. You didn't debunk it. You just said you can't cook it at home. Well, sure, sure, but but the taste. <laughs> you said it doesn't store. Look, look. What I'm trying to build is suspense. I'm, I want to take our listeners on a roller coaster of emotion, Dan. But I had already built the suspense by being against the sandwich. I piled on the suspense by people were thinking they were worried at home. They're like, is Joe going to agree with Dan with his ridiculous decision to not put it on the menu? They were angry. They were ready to delete our podcast is what they were ready to do. All right. Well, whatever. Before they delete it, let's move on to this week's lunch pail. So let's open up the old lunch pail. See what we got in there. Hey, look at this from super fan Tony or fan or whatever we call fans of this, uh, podcast he addresses us hey nits meatball sandwiches are great but your places clearly don't know how to make it efficiently use the bread as a vessel in philly they do this thing with cheesesteaks notably a very juicy sandwich where they scoop out some of the bread part so it doesn't get too soggy works with meatball subs and even some italian subs that have a lot of dressing try it out in the lab next time you get a hearty roll also san francisco is wasted on you dan there are about 20 places where you can get amazing sourdough nearby, and you're stuck in your milk toast white bread world. Get out and do something, you bum. Yeah. I mean, even milk toast would be too adventurous for you. <laughs> like, hold on, hold on. Milk toast, I just want white bread. All right. Well, whatever. You know, you with your, with your fancy words, Tony with his <laughs> bread shaming of me, you know what? For this podcast, we have a national or international audience. It would be ridiculous for me to get famous San Francisco sourdough bread and say, oh, in order for the sandwich to work, you have to have the specific type of bread that like is best available where I am. Give me a break. It's like, oh, you know what makes this sandwich great? Eating it while looking at the Golden Gate Bridge. Our listeners can't yeah. do that. Yeah. So you know what, Tony? Fuck you, Tony. No, I'm going to continue getting white bread. Stop with the, the bread shaming. Tony's bachelor party shaming me. He's bread shaming me. I've had enough. Now, I did read his lunch bail because he was the only one that sent one in this week. But for the love of God, if you have a lunch bail and you would want us to uh, answer your question on the show, send it send it to a sandwich at JoePixPod.com. Now, Dan, as a, as a side lunch bail, I have a question for you. I had two two listeners approach Wait, me in Joe? person. Joe, yeah, oh, open it back up. All right, it's open. I had two listeners approach me in person. Both both super fans. Though, did they just they just see you on the street? They did. They did. They recognized me from the logo. Uh, no, and they offered to do separate podcasts. They want to do th- these people don't even know each other. So it's two separate offers, Dan. They want to do um, a podcast that's a recap podcast of our podcast. <laughs> what do you think he, about that, Dan? Uh, I think it's a terrible idea. But you know what, Joe? If they want to do it, they can go for it. Where they analyze our decisions. They talk about, oh, you know, I really like this segment or that segment or whatever. I think it'd be great. 
if they're drafting off the popularity of our podcast, I think, um, you know, you were talking about that one time where you were in the big bike race and you, you said how amazing it was that you would sort of just get into, you know, the line with all the other bikers and you said you would go like 30 miles before you even realized it. Well, if they're hoping to draft off our podcast, it's going to be like going into like a 30 mile headwind. Yeah, yeah. We can only hope that their recap podcast becomes more popular so we can draft off them. <laughs> that's our, <laughs> really our only chance. So actually, yeah, they should do it. That would be our luck. The recap pop- podcast would blow up, but ours still wouldn't be popular. Well, if they get the goddamn Boar's Head endorsement, <laughs> I'm going to be pissed off. <laughs> All right, Dan. Well, Joe, we actually have the one part of the podcast that people really are excited about. So we, we've completely revamped. Uh, are how we pick the the next week's uh, sandwich. So this is great. This was your idea. I feel like we've revamped the wheel every single week. I know, but now we're, we've honed in. So Joe, you had the brilliant idea, which is you ha- kept picking every week, and you said, "Well, the chance when I get picked, the chance should go down every time." So Joe, the way it's going to work from now on is once somebody gets a spot on the wheel, gets selected, that section of the wheel gets removed. So right now, as the wheel stands, there are five Dans, five Joes, and one listener section. So, And anybody can see this at joepickspot.com slash wheel. So I'm going to remove one of the Joes because you got picked last week. Okay? Okay, perfect. So I'm removing it now. It is gone. So one of the Joes has been removed. So now, oh, look at that. It's gone. So now I will spin the wheel, and we also, Joe, have a listener wheel. So this has become very popular. So I've made a separate wheel at joepixpod.com slash sandwich wheel. So you can go to that right now. This currently has four sandwiches on there that the listeners have suggested. A hog roast, a donor kebab, hot pastrami on rye, and fairy bread, whatever that is. So if, uh, if the listener section comes up this week... I will then immediately spin the sandwich wheel, and we will do whatever comes up on the sandwich wheel. What should other listeners do if they want to suggest a sandwich for the for the wheel? If you want to get on the sandwich wheel, there's a thread on our subreddit at reddit.com slash r slash joepicks, or you can email it to sandwich at joepickspod. All you have to do, any sandwich will do. If you if you submit the sandwich, it goes on the wheel. So, Joe? I mean, not, not one that we've done already. Yeah, not that one that we've done already. Well, That's actually, the only what do rule. I care? Whatever. Yeah, you know what? They can send whatever they want. If they yeah. want us to do a sandwich again. That's fine. All right, Joe. Let's do the spin. So now I am more likely than you, but let's see what happens. Do it, Dan. There you go. Spinning. Not listeners. Oh, my God. It could be listeners. <laughs> oh, so close to being a listener pick. I thought it was going to be listeners. It just, oh my God. I thought as the wheel was spinning, it was coming to the floor. I thought it was going to be listeners. It just crept oh, by listeners. Barely, barely. What, what, what are the odds? But Dan, you get to pick. Into me, Dan. So the first thing I'm going to do, Joe, is I'm going to remove that segment. On my screen, that was the pink segment. Was that pink on yours too? Yeah, sort of peach colored. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I guess it's more of a peach color. Right, well, it's so confusing because there is a pink, like, right next to it, but yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that's more of, like, a magenta. Anyways, that segment is gone, so now the listener's chance has gone up for next week, but it is my option to pick the sandwich, Joe. And you know what? I am very excited. I'm going to pick the sandwich I would have picked last week, which 
I was very excited about last week. I'm even more excited about this week after this dud of a sandwich, the falafel sandwich, which unfortunately got put on the menu by you. Joe, a sandwich can be eaten many times of day, but I happen to be a, a very big fan of sandwiches that can be eaten early in the morning, specifically bagels. And there is a type of topping that goes on bagels that I particularly am fond of. And that's right, Joe. I'm picking the bagel and lox sandwich. Wow. 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 That's like a, that's like a season finale sandwich. I mean, look, Joe, every week's a season finale because you never know when <laughs> the work is going to be too much. Literally has a high chance of being a season finale. <sighs> I'm excited, Joe. I'm excited that I got to pick, and I'm I'm very excited for the bagel and lox sandwich. Do you have a a preview of, of what you think, your first reaction when you hear that? Well, I, I actually have a clarifying question, Dan. You, as the, as the sandwich picker here, uh, do you have a preference of what bagel I use as my – do you want an everything bagel, sesame bagel, plain bagel, or chef's choice, or are we going to do a little sandwich lab visit on this? Joe, what do you think? We, I'm going to give no clarifying statement. You can order this bagel however you want, and we are going to, I'm sure, get into the great bagel debate. Because my opinions on bagels, especially morning bagels, is very different than other people's. So I give no clarifying statement. We'll just hash it out next week. I'm just saying, bagel choice, open face or close, we're definitely going to have to go to the sandwich lab here. Look, Joe, you've never been to the sandwich lab. I'm going down there. You're Bring ki- your beakers. Get your lab coat. Wait, you are you're saying right now, as a, as a teaser, you're going to the sandwich lab? Definitely. I'm, I'm saying, Dan, this week... In addition to your other many jobs, test the Iowa station because we're going to the sandwich lab. No, I'm saying you're going to the sandwich lab. Well, I'm going, to... but you have to come with me. All right. I'll, I'll go with you. Well, yeah. I'll, I'll go with you when you're like reading the results. Yeah. 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 You don't have to be there for the tests. Yeah. Perfect. I'll be yeah. like your assistant. You're, you, I'm, I'll be like the assistant with the clipboard. You just tell me what the results are and I'll just write them down. Per- perfect. You're, you're my intern. <laughs> Great. <laughs> you're intern in the sandwich lab. That's fine. Which, which, which is fitting because, like this podcast, it's completely unpaid. <laughs> <laughs> and I end up doing all the work. <laughs> Except for next week. That's why it's exciting. All right, Joe. Wow. The Bagel and Walk Sandwich. Everybody, you know, you can go to your own sandwich lab if you want. Send in your feedback. Uh, but, Joe, before we finish this off, we always read our iTunes reviews. And look at this. Here's a new review from this week. I've never heard anything like this before. Very informative and captivating in every way. I salivate throughout the episode five stars wow i mean salivating throughout the episode i'm glad we didn't get that review for one of our previous seasons because it wouldn't have made any sense now now it's okay i think that's the, the the perk of the food podcast is i think for some people just talking about food makes you know people like that so you know hopefully hopefully the uh, recap podcast can use that lesson make a really interesting exciting podcast that we can then draft off of I'm excited for it. All right. Well, that's, that's a great review. We need more like that. Yeah. Thanks to Pickleballer for that review. So if you'd like your review read, uh, leave us a five-star review on iTunes. Why not? Dan, great episode. All right. Time to put the bread away until next week, or PETA as it were, this week. Joe Picks a Sandwich is part of the Joe Picks Podcast Network. To listen to all of our podcasts, go to JoePicksPod.com or join the lively discussion on our subreddit at reddit.com slash r slash JoePicks. If you want to talk about what we got right or wrong with the falafel sandwich, or if you have a strong opinion about next week's sandwich, the bagel with locks, 
Leave a comment on the Reddit page or email us at sandwich at joepixpod.com. Special thanks to Superfan Josh for his research. His book, Red Me Republic, is on bookshelves everywhere in May and is available for pre-order on Amazon or wherever you get your books. Also thanks to Superfan Jeff for the theme song. Yes! Leave us a five-star rating in the iTunes store so others can find it. Joe, see you next week. Bye, Dan.